Welcome to She Wakes Up, a podcast where you are granted permission to rise above your past, crush your fear and self-doubt, and go after the future of your dreams. I know life has taken over and has driven you to a place where you feel lost and scared and you have no idea how you got here. You just feel stuck in your job, relationships, motherhood, all of it. I see you and you're in the right place. I'm your host, Stacey Feeling, and I'm so pumped to have you here. I've been where you are. I was lost in abuse, finances, anxiety, poor health, you name it. I was up and down for years trying to fix myself on the surface. What I found was the real damage in need of fixing came from the inside. And so it was. If this is you, come hang with me. Grab a drinky drink and maybe a pint of some ice cream because we are skipping the small talk and getting right to the juice. Because girl, it's time to wake up. Welcome back to another episode of She Wakes Up. We have another guest episode, and today we are featuring Tiffany DeLuisi, and she is a board-certified functional medicine practitioner and master herbalist who specializes in helping women with fibromyalgia and autoimmune issues alleviate symptoms with natural remedies and take control of their healing so that they can reclaim their health and their life. Tiffany takes a mind-body approach to healing that includes addressing past trauma to get to the root of why the body is showing the symptoms. Through her own journey of healing with chronic illness, Tiffany is passionate about others and helps them reconnect with their internal body cues, build back body trust, and cultivate a healthy and peaceful relationship with their body. If that's not the most beautiful intro, Tiffany, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Of course. So tell us who you are and a little bit more about all of that, because that sounds pretty juicy. Yeah, I guess so. Um, So my name is Tiffany. Um, I am a mom of two boys. Um, Before I got into this health and wellness, I was a teacher for years and a stay-at-home mom and kind of thought I'd go back to teaching when my kids were older. And about six years ago, I had started having chronic health issues. It started with like migraines that were debilitating, body pain all over that was debilitating. And it led to a diagnosis of fibromyalgia and I have three other autoimmune. And I just felt that I was really let down by the medical community. I felt like no one could give me answers. No one could help me. I had no idea where to go or what to turn to. And that's when I decided I had to take matters into my own hands. And so I went back to school And for years, as I was working with health, I was focusing on gut health and I was told, oh, you need to be working with people with fibromyalgia. And I was like, nope, that's my own story. I don't want to share that. (laughs) And um, I finally, about three years ago, kind of bit the bullet and started doing that. And what I've noticed, um, especially for me, because I I felt like I was very alone in a lot of areas of my life. And I didn't realize until until I started working with other women that had very similar stories, the kind of, you know, a lot of trauma that had taken place in the past and that that's very common among chronic illness, especially fibromyalgia. And so that's when I, you know, about a year ago, I was like, I need to start addressing this because, you know, I could give them all the diet, all the movement, all the supplements, all the things, but until they're like able to reduce the stress response and release some of the trauma from their past. They're just, they're not going to move forward and heal. Yeah, that is so interesting and very true. And just with my background, you know, I know that mind body connection, 
um, and dealing with all of that and how it affects. I mean, you look at people that have things like anxiety and depression and how debilitating that is physically. Um, And so you can absolutely see that connection with chronic illness. So what are you specifically seeing as far as, because you mentioned trauma specifically, Mm -hmm. what are you seeing then um, in that connection with these autoimmune issues and fibromyalgia? Is it all chronic illness or is it just more so? Um, the well, it can with a lot of um, chronic illness. I mean, I, I've even seen some connection between autoimmune and, um, you know, trauma in the past and what, like what we see as trauma could be different from person to person. Right. Absolutely. So as a child, something could have happened to me. Like you could have been in a car accident as a child that scared you and you didn't know what was going on that caused trauma in your body. Right. Or it could have been, you know, some kind of abuse or growing up with narcissistic parents, um, that everything affects us in different ways. You know, I even look within my own family and you know, we, I kind of talk about things that have happened within my family and it affects, it affected each of me and my two other siblings completely different from each other. Whereas, you know, I might've seen that as maybe a traumatic thing where they were like, I didn't think of that at all, or they don't even remember it type of thing. So it really can be different from person to person. Um, one statistic that really stood out to me in doing fibromyalgia research is the percentage of women with fibromyalgia that have sexual abuse. And that was huge because I'm like, if we're not addressing that and we're not talking about that, then we're just keeping it stored. And of course that's going to, you know, come out as pain and fatigue and, you know, an illness. Wow. That's so interesting because it's not talked about, you know, and the, the long-term effects, you know, you, you, everybody goes through something like that. It's more of an acute healing and you don't really think about those long-term effects, especially physically, you know, sure. We think that there's a lot of mental healing, emotional healing that has to happen, but you don't think that it can manifest into a condition like that. Um, do you feel with, because I feel like stress and you had said the stress response is um, part of the reason why we develop these illnesses, especially when it comes to trauma. Um, what are some things that you've noticed that have been helpful in dealing with your trauma and some of that stress response since you've gone through all of this yourself? Yeah. So I first really started addressing this years ago when I did some, um, what is it called? EMDR, which is like Mm -hmm. a rapid eye movement therapy. It was, it was not what I expected. I had just heard of it and I thought, Oh, that sounds interesting. I think I'm going to try it. And then I, little did I know it was going to be 12 weeks of dealing with all sorts of trauma through childhood, Mm -hmm. um, which was really powerful, but also really hard at the same time. Um, that was a big one. I've also done a little bit of, I don't know if you've heard of RTT hypnosis, um, I like that because it kind of deals with these limiting beliefs that may or may not be true, but it causes stress. You know, it causes these limiting beliefs of I'll never get better. I'm not good enough. It kind of works through that. And in between, especially when I'm working with clients and I do this too, I, I do like a lot of EFT, the tapping. And I used yeah. to think that that was ridiculous. Like, how is that going to help do anything? Right. <laughs> Until so I start practicing on a regular basis. Huh? Yeah. So many people have been into that. I've been seeing it all over. And, um, you know, some of my coaches and people that I follow on social media are really into it. So it's becoming more common. Yeah, it definitely is. And when I first heard of it, I was like, what do you mean I'm going to tap all over my face? And like, no, <laughs> that's weird. I'm not doing that. 
<laughs> yeah. Hey, it's just me. I wanted to pause this episode really quick to remind you that the five-day self-sabotage workshop is still up for grabs if you really want your spot in that. Um, it starts September 12th and runs five days in a private group through the 16th. So it is self-paced. You will have access to all the content throughout and afterwards if you can't be there in real time. But if you want to, I will be showing up live every single day to deliver the content a little bit deeper, ask any questions that you may have, and to help you get clarity. There are different styles of self-sabotage. There are different ways that self-sabotage can manifest. There are several areas in your life in which self-sabotage can actually be debilitating, such as your relationships, your career, your goals, and your family life. So if you're really interested in trying to figure out maybe your own self-sabotage style, or if you want some clarity, if you even are self-sabotaging, what areas in your life you are and how you can get a little bit more help and guidance with that. So make sure to check out the show notes. The link is in there. Always reach out to me if you have any questions or you just want to chat a little bit more to find out some more details. I'm happy to give you that. All right, let's dive back in and chat more with Tiffany. Um, I do use a lot of like, um, essential oils as well to kind of tap into, you know, that blood brain barrier. And I use a lot of adaptogen herbs, which have been used for centuries because the whole reason they get into that classification is because it calms the stress response in the body. And so, um, but yeah, I kind of use a combination of different things to try to relieve that stress because especially with, you know, fibromyalgia is known as a hyperactive stress response where this, you know, it's like a fire alarm going off, but there's no fire. Right. And so in a lot of times, I think even with other autoimmune or chronic illness, we just don't know what's going on. So when you go to a doctor and they're like, well, all of your test results are normal, but you're like, I don't feel normal. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, it usually goes back to stress. Yeah. And they say, you know, stress is the number one killer, you know, realistically. And even people with, um, cardiovascular health and things like that. It's just that stress, that chronic stress on our body really takes a toll on us more than we think, you know, sure. We feel it mentally and emotionally on the day to day when we're dealing with all of that. But really when it comes down to it, we're holding on to so much toxicity within us that it's, it's taking a huge effect on our physical body as well and manifesting itself into some of these conditions that you're talking about. And, um, I'm currently going back to for my master's in psychology, and I just did um, all of my semester work on chronic illness and the mind and how impactful it was when we really shift the way that we think about it, our perception of our diagnosis. Oh, yes. Um, but there's so many other factors too, don't get me wrong, you know, like a good yeah, support yeah. system and, and um, for religion was a big one for a lot of people, something that they could turn to spiritually. But I yes. do, um, a lot of that research came back and it really was trying to de-stress and try to find ways to help us get out of that high, um, like adrenaline state all the time. So when you're working with clients, what do you do to help them shift that mindset and those limiting beliefs that you were talking about? So first I want people to understand that just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal or healthy because I think we've just gotten to this point where we're just used to it. We're like, but everybody's under stress, but everybody has this. So sometimes we can become addicted to it too. It's like, well, I have more stress than you, you know, in a way that it's like, well, if I'm not under stress or if I'm not pushing myself, 
you know, to the extreme, then, you know, maybe I'm lazy, which goes back to a limiting belief, right? Yeah. So a lot of times when I first start working with clients, especially if they have this mindset of, well, I'm never going to get better, or I can never heal, or I can never change this. That's something that kind of needs to shift because sometimes we've been sick for so long, or we've been stuck in this place for so long, we really have a hard time seeing a way out. And so one thing I like to start with clients is doing like a one day visualization. Um, And I'm like, nothing's off the table, right? So I don't want you to be like, well, I'll never be in remission. I don't want you to think that way. Like think unrealistically, like if you could wave a magic wand, because a lot of times, you know, that kind of helps us shift our mindset. When we go back to that visualization, when people, especially when things get really hard and say, Hey, remember you said your one day visualization is to be in remission or to, you know, go skiing again. And you haven't been able to do that because you're in so much pain or go on a vacation because you're whatever it is, um, kind of helps bring them back to that. But that's one of the first things I do is kind of set up these visualizations. And then it usually takes a while after I work with clients before they're really willing to open up and share their trauma. Mm -hmm. But one thing I really like to do is have them write their chronic illness story. So how did it come about? And it's people don't really, you know, until they sit down and start to kind of go through some of these questions, they don't really put two and two together. Like, Oh, maybe that traumatic traumatic event as a child, you know, I'm stuck in this stress response because of that has maybe led to this and start to release it and let it go. Whether they choose to share it with me or not, or just put it in paper can be really healing. Yeah. That's a great exercise to just have that eye-opening experience when we, you know, we don't really talk about it. It's not something that we have conversation around, oh, this is my, you know, how this all came about and really thinking and digging deep. And that's a lot of the work that I do too, is we can help people with the tools. We can't get them to that next step that's on them, but to do exercises like that, that really help to guide them and steer them in the direction of finding those aha moments within themselves is so important. So I love that that's what you start with because it's allowing them to really have that moment that they need to realize and make that connection and then let the healing journey begin from there, right? Yeah. Sometimes people will think it's weird that we start with all these stress relieving techniques because they expect to come to me and we're like, so you're starting me on a diet today, right? And I'm like, no, I'm not. That's going to put more stress on your body. So until we've kind of lowered that stress response, we're not even starting there because I could put you on the cleanest, healthiest diet on the planet. But if your stress is through the roof, then you're not going to be digesting that food and it doesn't make a difference. So we've got to calm it first and foremost. Yeah, that's right. Get to the root of the problem first and then go from there. Yes. Yeah. So do you mind, do you want to get into a little bit of your story? I know that yeah, I can. Um, okay. Yeah. Go for it. Um, it's interesting because I was getting my hair done today and I was telling her and my sister works there and I was like, I don't know that I want to share this. What if certain people hear it? But (laughs) (laughs) they're like, you're pretty open. It's pretty good. So yeah. um, See, the listeners are here for that too, because a lot of the listeners have gone through very similar. And that's a point of bringing um, people like yourself onto the show is to allow you to tell your story because we want to let people know that they're not alone. And like you said, while it might be common, it's not normal. It's not normal. Um, 
so as a child, I don't think I really realized as, as a child, my, my father was an alcoholic. Um, that really kind of came out more as a teenager where he was drinking more um, and he was, he was physical with my mom when they got divorced. And then he was engaged to someone else that he was physically abusive to. And um, I felt like, you know, like I was kind of alone. So my parents got divorced and I was kind of in charge of my two younger siblings, like the other parent, which really interfered, you know, with my relationship with my siblings for, for years and years. And, um, like I was the kind of person, like as soon as I graduated high school, I just wanted out of there. I just wanted away from everything and everybody, because I felt like, you know, I never really felt loved or accepted or like I was, you know, I had to be perfect, that sort of thing. Um, so there was a lot of work there for me to kind of work through, especially with my parents, with both of my parents and, um, some of the things there. Um, and then in my early twenties, I was sexually assaulted by a boyfriend, someone that I was like trusted. I had been with him for a very long time and it wasn't really until I started doing, you know, the work around that where, you know, I say I never called it rape because I didn't think that that's what it was. Sure. And it took a therapist to put those words in my mouth. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's not what I said, because we don't think about that. We think, you know, I always thought, you know, it's a dark alley with a stranger with a gun to your head. And that's not what happened. You know, it was still traumatic. It was still violent, but that's but I was like, but this is somebody I, I trusted and was already in a consensual sexual relationship with. So how, you know, how does that shift? And I pushed it to the back burner for years and years. I mean, it was like over 10 years before I ever talked about it. I didn't tell a soul, not my sister, not my best friend, not a therapist, nobody, because it was just, there was just so much shame behind that. And I felt so much guilt, like it was my fault. And I think I've learned that, you know, in the, this process of that, I'm not alone there. Like this happens way more often than the dark alley with a gun to your head. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And a lot of women just struggle with that and not, not talking about it for all sorts of reasons, lots of shame around that. And you know, that sort of thing. I was going to say, you're not alone in that either. And not, yeah. having, you know, wanting to bring it up because you feel embarrassed. And I, I want to keep having these conversations because we really need to help women feel like they can talk about it because it's so important and to let them know that that isn't, it's not their fault. Even if it would, they were in a consensual yes. relationship, that moment shifted at that point when you didn't have any control. Yes. And I think a big thing that has kind of come up and, you know, you know, doing the work to kind of resolve that is take you out of the equation. So take Tiffany out of the equation and that's, that's your sister. That's your best friend. What would you tell them? And it's complete opposite of what I would tell myself. You know what I mean? I that do. wasn't okay. You need to get out. How can I help you? But you know, in my mind, I thought, well, no one's going to believe me. Um, they're going to, you know, they, you're, you know, the blame's going to come back on me and be like, well, you shouldn't have been doing this and this and this. And um, yeah. So I kind of had to look at it that way for a long time. And it took a long time for me to be able to like step out of it and be like, okay, it's no longer me. It's me. Like, you know, I was pretty young. I was in my early twenties, you know, like, how am I going to comfort that young woman that felt like she didn't have anybody there? Yeah. So what, from the time that you were in, when that happened, when you were in your twenties to now, 
when did you start to see those symptoms and what have you been doing in that time to help heal so that you are in a place where you can help other women overcome that? Yeah. So the year I was diagnosed, when all of these kind of came about, I, uh, my grandfather had passed away. He was more of a father to me than my own father. So that was really hard on me. Um, my mother-in-law passed away a couple months later and I was very close to my mother-in-law and it just, it, you know, I, I think I, I couldn't grieve what was going on with my grandfather because I felt like I had to hold it together for my husband and my family. And I don't know that I did the grieving that I needed to grieve. So it kind of took a couple of years for me to say, okay, I need to sit down. I need to spend the time and grieve these losses in my life. These were two huge people in my life to grieve. And it was almost like this weight was lifted off of me and even like a reduction of symptoms when I just allowed myself to grieve because it took me like a couple of years to just allow myself to sit with the emotions and grieve their loss. And, um, it was in that process that, you know, I started dealing with, you know, with past trauma in my life as well. And, you know, doing some inner child work and that sort of thing. Now I don't remember the question, but I don't know if I answered or went on a tangent. <laughs> no, that's okay. We were um, talking about when you started to have those symptoms and then what has helped you between then and now to be able to then coach other women. But one thing that I wanted to say is that you know, I hear that so often is we don't allow ourselves to do the things that we give people advice on. For example, feel your emotions, let yourself grieve. And I don't know why we do this and why we feel like we have to keep our shit together all the time because we understand when nobody else does. And we, you know, we allow people to just be who they are in that moment, but we feel like we can't be ourselves in that moment. So we just stuff it down and yep. we show up for everybody else. And from what you're saying specifically is this is so unhealthy that when we continue to do that over and over in our life, that we are just creating this volcano at some point that's just going to explode. Correct. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what, what, what helped you get to where you are now and helping other women? Well, um, you know, doing the, one of the biggest things, and I think being a perfectionist is like, I've never really taken that time to take care of myself, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, because especially with self-care and self-care is something that gets thrown around a lot, you know, because people are like, Oh, it's always pedicures and manicures. (laughs) But especially like when you have a chronic illness, like it was time I had to, I had to take a step back and take care of me because without it, I wasn't going to get better. So a couple of things, like I don't work on Fridays. That is my me day. I don't care if I sit on the couch and veg out and watch Netflix all day. Um, or if I go meet a friend or whatever it is, that is a me day before I have the weekend, especially when the kids are in school where they're home. Um, because I need that downtime, no matter what that is. And that has been huge for me. And I, I'm always encouraging my clients to do something every single day for themselves. Like I said, my family pretty much knows that I make dinner, they clean up, I go lock myself in my bedroom. And that's my downtime, whether I take a shower, a bath, I just sit there and do nothing. But that is a learned you know, response, because what am I teaching my kids? If I never take care of myself, then they grow up thinking they can never take care of themselves or never have time alone. 
And so I, you know, they know that too. And they know that, you know, if they need, you know, there's times my youngest son will be like, mom, I just need some time alone in a bath. And I'm like, okay, let's do it, dude. (laughs) Because, you know, that's the self-care that you feel like you need right now. And that can look different for anybody that can be spending some time in meditation or prayer or, you know, taking that hot bath or taking a walk or just having some time in silence, whatever that is that kind of helps you fill your cup is really important because I think as women, especially, we just feel like we have to be go, go, go all the time and everybody else comes first except for us. Mm -hmm. And, um, it took a long time for me to switch that mindset and be like, Hey, my oxygen mask has to go on first because otherwise I can't take care of anybody. Yeah. That's always the best analogy. I love it. Yeah. And it's so true because we, we can't, all we're doing is we're stressing ourselves out even more. We are compounding all of this and then we're just expected to keep it inside and we're not showing anybody a good example of, like you said, that self-care but yet we really aren't functioning at our highest when we are not putting into us either. And I have always explained my husband and I are only children. So we understand and value our alone time, whether oh, you know it's yeah. five minutes or a, we can be away from each other all day. Like we're both home, but we're doing our own thing. Um, but even if you're not, I can't imagine living, you know, if you use the example of like living with a roommate all of your life, at some point you want to go in your room and be by yourself. Yes. Everybody needs that time to decompress and stop being stimulated. Just allow yourself, like you said, whatever that is, if it's to read a book, take a bath, just lay there and do nothing. That's what you need. We all need that. And we, like, we can't use sleep as our only excuse to get away and be alone. Exactly. Yeah. It can't be the only time we're taking care of ourselves. (laughs) And even that, so many of us have struggles sleeping because we're all stressed out and worried about the next day and all of that too. So man, such a good point. And this is something that I like to talk about too. What got you to that point of allowing yourself to just accept and give yourself that permission. And how did your family respond when you're like, okay, guys, I'm done for an hour. I, I'll see you in a little bit. Please don't disturb me unless somebody's bleeding out. I mean, I hate to say rock bottom, but it almost was <laughs> rock bottom. You know, yeah. like you have to hit that point where I'm like, you know, I'm at this point where I can't get out of bed. Other people have to pick my kid up from school. My toddler is being babysat all day by a television because I can't function. And there's no other choice. If I, if I stay the same way, I'm only going to get worse. And what quality of life is that? Or I can make some changes and figure out what kind of changes I need to make to take care of myself so that I can be a decent wife. I can be a decent mom, decent friend, whatever it is, because I, I was not functioning for a very long time. And, um, Sometimes people don't see that. You know what I mean? They don't always see that because it's like, okay, I got to put on the face to leave the house. They can't know I'm in pain. They can't know I have a migraine. They can't know I'm high anxiety or whatever it is. And that that even makes it worse when you come back home. So it's really the people that lived with me, my husband and my kids that were like, something's got to give. And I think because my kids were pretty young, like my youngest when I was diagnosed was only three. Okay. Only like three and six yeah. at this point, it's just, that's, they just know that that's what it is. And my husband's always been very supportive of me and, you know, do what you need to do for your health, do what you need to do to feel better. And so that's always been helpful too. 
Yeah, it's very imperative to have people that support you through that. But, you know, you honor their downtime. I'm sure there's things that your husband and your kids do by themselves and you know everything grief about it because that's just what we do. But we understand the importance of doing that. And I love how you said quality of life because it's not just quality of life for you, but it's quality of life for them because, you know, when you're not healthy, when you're not getting out of bed, you're not fun, you're tired, um, maybe you're grumpy, you know, like this trickles down into everything else, including our family. And we, they don't deserve that version of us. We don't deserve to show up as that version of ourselves. So it's so important that we recognize that. And when we're starting to see those symptoms, just those basic, like the chronic fatigue or just not wanting to do the things that light you up anymore, those like some warning signs before it gets to a point where you could develop something more serious, like a chronic illness. And, and then yes. now you're looking at a whole nother, you know, problem. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so what would you tell somebody? Because I don't think that, you know, I agree with you on the, even as a nurse, I agree with you that the modern medical world today, especially I think through the pandemic has just not, it's not the same. And I hate to say that because I'm not like, I don't say poo poo on the whole medical system because I do believe in technology, you know, (laughs) if I'm sick, I'm going to the hospital. Don't give me (laughs) (laughs) Um. But I do also appreciate, and myself uses like the essential oils and I drink adaptogen coffee and, you know, um, all of those things. So I find very good value in that as well. Um, So what can you tell women that are really struggling and they know that the tests show that everything's fine and they're just not feeling right? Like, how do you encourage them to advocate for themselves and to get the help that they really need. Yes. <laughs> the advocating is the huge part of it. Um, I, that took me a long time too, because I'm like, well, I went in there, they said it was normal and I left and I just trusted that there was nothing else I could do. Um, so a lot of times I will sit down, especially with clients or somebody that just sit down before you go to a doctor. Cause especially if you have like, like I have major brain fog, I'll forget. I take notes so that I, because they usually have that limited time with you, right? Like very limited time in that room with you, send you on your way. So you want to make the most of it to address any new symptoms that have come up, anything that you're feeling, but be prepared, have it written down ahead of time so that you're prepared when you go in there is one thing. Um, Never take like it at face value because the the thing is with chronic illness is most of the time the lab work is normal. There is nothing abnormal about it. Like even I have a couple of autoimmunes that will not show up on blood work unless I'm in a full on flare, like a bad flare. And then they'll be like, oh, look, there's the marker. But if it's not, you know, but that doesn't mean I don't have it. Right. How frustrating is that? It is super frustrating. So that's why it's like kind of knowing that. I, I think the Western medicine doctor is a, is a tool, but it's not the only tool and, you know, trying to look at some other things out there, you know, whether it's, you know, working with a, you know, I don't even know what to call myself. I'm a practitioner, but coaching is a big part of it. Um, getting involved in some kind of group with other women that are dealing with the same kind of symptoms that you're having, just being able to discuss that with others has, is, is huge. And even when I work with doc, you know, like I work with my own doctors and I tell them, I'm like, okay, so I see you like what once a year or twice a year, 
but it's that in between where people need support because a lot of times, you know, that medical model, which, you know, and I'm not anti-Western medicine, but it's, if I can't write you a pill or we can't have surgery, there's really not a lot else that they can do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they may be able to send you to a dietitian or, you know, but they may or may not understand, you know, that, spe- you know, specifically for that, um, you know, what's going on. But yeah, I don't usually take no for an answer. I always ask for them to dig deeper, to run more things. I've learned a lot about tests. So sometimes clients come with me and they're like, what should I ask them to run? I'm like, tell them you need them to run this, 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 and this, because they don't even know. So I'll even tell them what to do and then bring them back to me or, you know, and if they don't want to run it, you know, this is the kind of conversation we can have. Um, But just know that there's more out there and there's, you know, more support out there. It, it's hard to advocate at a doctor's office. I, I do yeah. get that. Yeah. It there are a lot of hard. good um, specialists though. I mean, if you do your research, yes. I like to tell everybody that is just do your research, see what's available in your area. You know, maybe look a couple hours away if you're really, you know, just mm-hmm. trying to find something super specific and then um, do your research on that particular condition. You know, I, I don't like to suggest Googling your symptoms because everybody yeah, no, has, that's not has, always um, terminal accurate. illness, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but but the other, go ahead. Oh, the other thing I did is I interviewed doctors oh, and someone said idea. I was crazy. They're like, they're never going to get on the phone with you. And I was like, well, I interviewed like five or six pediatricians when I was pregnant before I picked one. Why can't I do that now? Yeah. Um, and I did, I, they actually were willing to get on the phone with me. I asked them questions. I asked them how much they knew about fibromyalgia. I asked them how much they knew about other, my other autoimmunes. Um, and it's been a great relationship. And so, because you shop with your money there too, even if insurance is covering it, you're still, you know, shopping yeah. with your dollars or voting with your dollars. So you might as well be with a doctor or practitioner that listens to you. And yeah, a couple of them, I do drive quite a ways away and I won't give them up. You know, I'm like, yeah. uh, you know, you're else. getting that care that you deserve exactly. and that, you know, they understand yeah. your condition. Um, Tiffany, where can everybody find you if they want to reach out? If you know, they are resonating with what you're saying today, where can everybody connect with you? Yeah. So my website is simple. It's just my name, Tiffany Deloisi, even though I know spelling, but I'm sure that'll be in the show notes. So you can see definitely. (laughs) It's just Tiffany Um, I'm also on Facebook with that name and I have a group called flourishing with fibromyalgia and it's not just for women with fibromyalgia. It's those with other autoimmune and chronic illness that kind of want answers. Um, you can come on over there and I give lots of value and tools and tips and tricks in there as well. I love the name of that. Like you oh, make thank it you. sound like it's not a, not a debilitating illness. You know what I mean? You're like making it a positive and I really like your perspective on that. That's oh, very thank cool. you. Yeah. And it's not a, it's not a complaining group. That's the one thing I didn't want. I said, I wanted something more uplifting and encouraging and not just complaining. So, and I get a lot of feedback that people like that. We need so much more of that for sure. So I appreciate yeah. you creating that space for those that need it. Well, it's been a pleasure and I, I love what you're doing. You have such a specific niche, but I know that it, I mean, just the struggles that I heard you trying to figure out, you know, what you needed that so many other women are going to need this too. So thank you for being here and sharing your story oh, and being for vulnerable. Having me. I appreciate it.